Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Well, what's going on, everybody, and welcome into Hog Hoops Live. I'm your host, Curtis Wilkerson. You can find me over at hogsports.com with Trey Biddy, Danny West, and Andrew Ellis. Arkansas basketball is hanging out uncomfortably close to the bubble, but it's starting to feel like the Hogs are hitting their stride here for the stretch run. We're going to discuss the progress the Razorbacks have made the last couple weeks here and take a look at what lies ahead in the month of February, which, quite frankly, uh, has been a month dominated by Eric Musselman. Let's go ahead and get started. All right, you know all the ways at this point that you can watch and listen to the show. Be sure to throw us a like, a thumbs up, a five-star review, subscribe. All those things really do help us out in terms of expanding our reach and getting out there to all the Razorback fans, so we certainly do appreciate that. Feels good to be back. Real good to be back. No show. Uh, obviously, last week, I apologize for that. I got home from that LSU game, that snow game in Fayetteville, uh, with no electricity, and, and that was the case for me for more than 48 hours. Uh, so naturally, I couldn't fire up the show here in the office. For the record, I, w- I was gutting it out, old school style, here in the dark. But, you know, when the wife and the dog start shivering a little bit, you know, we, we booked it over to a hotel. But at any rate, we're, we're back in the saddle now. And really, much has happened since the last show. You know, me and Andrew Ellis took a trip to Waco for the game at Baylor, the SEC Big 12 Challenge that, quite frankly, I feel like Arkansas should have won. Um, I did a live reaction from there, so I mean, you can check that out, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to dive too deep into that particular game, but I, I do want to, you know, kind of set up the rest of the show here by pointing out uh, really three things that stood out to me from that experience. Number one, uh, listen, you know, at some point, uh, Arkansas is going to have to overcome it uh, and finish because, you know, it's it's part of life on the road. But yes, um, I think officiating impacted that game at Baylor. I do. Number two, you know, despite what was, you know, an emotional uh, and a frustrating loss, you know, I, I said afterwards that it felt different than the others. You know, the, the progress showed, I thought, uh, for Arkansas, even though they weren't rewarded with the results, it, it just felt a little bit different. And, and number three, man, you know, Arkansas really left Waco banged up without much time to recover, before, you know, before being back on the floor again. I mean, they're down in Texas. That's on a Saturday. They have to travel home. They play on Tuesday. Uh, boy, I mean, that was an absolutely massive win over Texas A&M Tuesday night. Huge. We'll talk about why in a minute, but first let's talk about the game itself just for a couple minutes here. Uh, listen, I'm not going to lie. I was worried about this one. I was. I was worried about it before the season started because of the quick turnaround. Uh, and it's just, man, for whatever reason, it's just been a weird matchup uh, with Texas A&M between Muss and Buzz Williams. I don't know what it is, uh, but it's just been a weird matchup. And, and and I was damn sure worried about it after Arkansas lost that game at Baylor. They kind of limped out of Waco. Um, you know, meanwhile, Texas A&M, they were red hot, man. Yeah, I know early in the season, you know, people were poking fun at them. 
you know, they lost to who Murray State. They lost to Wofford at home. Kind of got beat up on by Colorado. Uh, they struggled out of the gates. But I, I know on this show when we were doing, uh, you know, just kind of taking stock on the SEC, I kept saying, you know, I, I, I think they're going to be playing pretty good ball uh, at some point here. It just seemed like it was Buzz's most talented team. I do think he's a good coach. Uh, and, man, they really figured it out. You know, they'd won 9 out of 10 coming into that game. Uh, they just punked Auburn on the road. That snapped. Auburn had the longest home winning streak in the country at 28 games. We saw Arkansas struggle down there. Uh, Texas A&M went and kicked their tail, beat them by 16. So uh, that was a confident group, uh, you know, who came in with a little bit of swagger on the road. And, look, I mean, it was a, a, an incredibly uh, gritty, I think is the word for it, a gritty effort by Arkansas, 81-70 to 70 win. Uh Eighty-one to seventy. That's probably like fifteen to twenty points more than I expected from either team. Uh, to be honest with you, in that game, cool. Uh, you know, there were a lot of free throws in this one, which I expected. I think with two, you know, kind of foul happy teams that also draw a ton of FTAs. But really, I thought it was an enjoyable watch overall because it wasn't the kind of whistle happy crap every other possession that we've seen recently. There was actually a flow. Uh, and a rhythm to the basketball game. So I know, you know, people complain about the officiating for different reasons. Uh, you know, for me, I just want to watch good basketball, man. If I wanted to, you know, watch a, a free throw competition, I go sit at practice and watch them shoot free throws at the end. Uh, I want to see them hoop, man. And, and so when you're able to get up and down the floor for a few minutes without constant stoppages and play, uh, man, it's just, it's just better to watch. <laughs> and so uh, from that standpoint, I enjoyed it. The first half was awesome until about the last three minutes. Uh, you know, and, and then obviously down the stretch when, when A&M had to foul, uh, there were some breaks there. But overall, I thought there was a good flow to the game, so that was cool. Uh, but, man, Arkansas had to dig deep. You know, I, I thought they showed a lot of toughness. And you could really tell how much appreciation uh, that Eric Musselman has in his team right now because they're going through it, you know. Anthony Black was a game-time decision with his knee. He knocked knees hard uh, in that Baylor game. They didn't know if he was going to be able to come back in for that one, and he did. Uh, they didn't know if he was going to be able to play at all against Texas A&M, and, and he kind of gutted it out. The dude was in the you know the training room getting rehab until ten o'clock the night before the game, um, and he you know he played thirty eight minutes. So uh, you know pretty pretty gritty effort there from AB. You know Mikel Mitchell. Uh, you know we were told that he might miss a week or two with that foot injury that he had. I, I guess maybe it was the Ole Miss game. I think it was the Ole Miss game. Uh, you know, and he came back for the Baylor game. He's still not hundred percent. Uh, but, you know, he played big minutes, started against Texas A&M. Jalen Graham has a sore Achilles. We just talked to Musk earlier today. He said before, the day before that A&M game, Jalen Graham was in MRI machine getting that thing checked out. So clearly it's bothering him. You know, Ricky Council's had a bad back, a, a stiff back that he's been playing through. So really, you know, you got, you're already a little bit shorthanded there, right, with the obvious guys being out. But you know, with four key players there who were banged up, man, they were all critical to the win. That's toughness, man. So I think that's a good sign for this Razorback team. You know, A.B., he played 38 minutes, 11 points, 7 assists. You could tell it was impacting him a little bit. I, don't, I think he only took four shots from the field, but he got to the free throw line nine times. A few turnovers, but that's 7 assist number. That's, that's good. That's high. He did a good job defensively, too. Mikel, listen, oh man, am I on the Mikel Mitchell train? Uh, first of all, I got to credit Andrew Ellis for this because he's been on the Mikel. He's like the conductor of the Mikel Mitchell train. He, he texts us about it before every game. Uh, but man, what a breakout performance on his birthday, nonetheless. Him and his brother, obviously twins, uh, but their 23rd birthday, uh, 
you know, Mikel starts and, and he flirted with a triple double, nine points, 13 rebounds, seven blocked shots. Are you kidding me? He was an absolute eraser around the rim. I think Arkansas may have found its anchor uh, inside, which is huge because you've got some really good post presences coming up, you know, down the stretch of the schedule here. Uh, and you need a guy like Mikel to be in there and, and be a rim protector. I thought he did a phenomenal job. That's a big development for Arkansas. We talked about Graham. Uh, listen, he only played 12 minutes against A&M. Uh, you know, he had a couple turnovers there, but look, he went on a personal 5-0 run, you know, that, that kind of extended things for Arkansas. Uh, so he left his mark in this game. He's starting to turn the corner. I think the staff is starting to find more trust in him. Uh, you're seeing him give more effort and, and, and pay more attention, more focus maybe is a better word for it on the defensive end of the floor. Um, all encouraging signs. Some, you know, Maybe this group is starting to figure out who they are, what their identity is, uh, how they can master their own roles. Ricky Council, uh, you know, we mentioned him. He had been struggling for a while there. He had a breakout performance scoring-wise against Baylor, um, and he kind of doubled down on it. He was only 6 of 16 from the floor, but he was really cooking in the first half against A&M. He had 19 points, and look, that dunk, whoo. Man, rock the cradle with the reverse dunk, you know, in a game. That's a ballsy move to do that in a game. But, I, I mean, if I could jump like Ricky Council, I'd try to do the same thing. I, I would put that dunk, uh, you know, as as just a slight notch below, you know, what Trevin Brazil did to that poor kid from South Dakota State early in the year in terms of the best dunks of the season. But that was awesome. Yeah, and, you know, we talk about those four guys who were who were hurt and made such a big impact, but, you know, they weren't the only guys right, who, who, who made their mark on this game, uh, Devo Davis, man, and, and yes, I, I saw his turnovers uh, that were costly there at times, but I also saw him like single-handedly force Texas A&M uh, to extend its defense, which opens up so much offensively for Arkansas. How did he do that? He's, he's become like a sniper from three <laughs> out of nowhere. You know, he buried a career-high four three-pointers in this game against Texas A&M, and he continues to be red hot from deep for Arkansas. His emergence as a three-point shooter has been huge for this team because they just haven't had that consistency. Um, and we've seen how it, you know, it impacts the way teams defend Arkansas. They just zone you to death. They close off the driving lanes and just makes things get clunky for the Razorbacks. But now, uh, you know, you have to respect what Devo's been doing of late. Uh, and just one guy. Can, can force a team to extend the defense and, and respect you from the perimeter a little bit. And it just opens up those lanes for other guys to drive and attack and, and find gaps. So it's no coincidence that the offense has started to look a lot better, have, you know, have more flow, uh, you know, and it, it coincides with what Devo is doing as a shooter. Been huge for the team. I think Jordan Walsh deserves a shout out from this game. You know, he, he came off the bench um, because Arkansas decided to go big, Texas A&M starts two big guys in, in Coleman and Marble, uh, more of a traditional look. So Arkansas went with the twins there. Um, I, I'm really impressed with Jordan Walsh because, you know, leading up to the game, he thought that he was going to start because they weren't sure what they were going to be able to get out of Anthony Black. Uh, you know, maybe he finds out a couple hours before tip off that he's coming off the bench, but, uh, you know, I thought he responded really well and when he subbed in there. And he didn't play the first 10 minutes of the game either. It's not like he was the sixth man. That was Graham. So I, I think it was like the nine-minute mark or, or maybe a little before that when, when Jordan Walsh actually checked in. Uh, but he asserted himself into the game right away. And he didn't get in foul trouble, which is an entirely different conversation. Uh, but he looked good. You know, he, he didn't pout. He didn't lose focus. 
He subs in, plays a great game, had a dozen points. He was aggressive on the offensive glass. He stroked a three for the Razorbacks. So, uh, hey, kudos to him. You know, he's one of four guys who scored in double figures for the Hogs in that game. So, uh, look, it wasn't a, a perfect performance, you know, offensively. 17 turnovers ain't it. Uh, you know, a dozen from the starting backcourt is is problematic. Um, free throws are still an issue. I think they left, what, eight or nine on the board there, shot under 70%. So, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of things to work on, but they scored 81 points. They shot it well, 50% from the field. And, man, it just looked better, like I said. You know, the spacing was present. Um, you know, a lot more active with their cutters off ball. There was better ball movement, uh, almost too good at times with some of the extra passes they make, you know, instead of taking a layup maybe. But, hey, uh, you know, they got out and ran in transition quite a bit. So, I, you know, I thought Arkansas was solid. Six of 18 from three. Um, you'll take six makes on 33.3% shooting from three with this group. Absolutely. Defensively, I thought Arkansas was, like, almost tremendous, Right. I mean, they could have had some more steals. I think they only first forced eight turnovers. Uh, but, man, they really contested at a high level. They blocked 13 shots. 13 block shots. Ten of them were between the Twins there. Um, the Aggies were 15 of 39 on layups. So, so they missed 24 shots around the rim. And you can give the Twins a lot of credit for that. And just Arkansas's length overall. You know, that's the one thing they had. If you think about the A&M guards, uh, you know, Wade Taylor, Radford, those are explosive players, uh, but they're not that tall. I mean, you've got a 6'6 guy in council. You've got a 6'7 in Anthony Black. Devo, you know, he's 6'3, 6'4, but he's got that length. Uh, man, that stuff is just disruptive. So it's kind of wild, you know, if, if you look at the final stats from that game, and, and then we'll move on. But, you know, Texas AM was plus nine in turnover margin against Arkansas. Uh, they had 24 extra possessions because they got 24 offensive rebounds, which is crazy. Uh, so what that means is the Aggies had 20 more shots on goal than Arkansas in this game. They took 20 more shots than Arkansas. They lost by 11. That's nuts. How does that happen? Well, um, the Hogs didn't get killed on those second chance opportunities that Texas A&M had uh, because they contested everything in there. They didn't get lit up from three, right? Arkansas only gave up four three-pointers. Uh, and they shot 16% higher from the field. You know, Arkansas held Texas A&M to 34% shooting. They shot 50% themselves. So, yeah, Texas A&M took 20 more shots in the game, uh, but they got clamped. They shot 20 more. Arkansas made two more, and that's what counts. So I thought it was a big victory. And, and quite honestly, I feel like this is one of the biggest swing games of the season uh, for Arkansas. You know, if you win that game, you kind of recapture that momentum because – they were rolling pretty good going into that Baylor game, right? You had a couple feel-good wins, get-right games at home. Uh, you know, then you lose that tough one at Baylor, even though you played well. And so it's it, it's kind of a big point there um, where you can kind of recapture that momentum. You got a three-game winning streak at that point going in league play. Um, or, you know, you lose and things start to get dicey there real quick because, you know, the, the Hogs were, uh, or I guess kind of are slipping a little bit, which is interesting. Um, you know, the metrics for this team are still strong, uh, but you can tell the doubt has started to kind of creep in with, you know, the people who, you know, the bracketologists or whatever. Um, you could tell, man, like they're, they're kind of getting close to that bubble. Uh, you know, there's some reputable bracketologists there that, that are sending Arkansas to Dayton 
for that first four for those playing games, that that's gross, right? So, you know, the Hogs need some quality wins. Um, I, I think a double-digit quad two victory over you know an A&M team that I think is a potential tournament team, uh, you know, that that adds a little seasoning to the beef that Arkansas needs. So, um, job well done. And it was in Bud Walton, which. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I have two things to say about this. One, it just sucks for for Arkansas and, and Muss and the team that you know you've had two SEC home games here that have been impacted by winter weather. First of all, I hope every it's it's still kind of nasty here in Fayetteville. It's getting better. I hope everybody in like you know Central Arkansas and, and on down uh, is doing okay. I, th- I think it was worse down there, but it, it just kind of stinks for this team that you've had two crowds impacted by this, where you haven't been able to pack the house to watch this team. But on, on the flip side of the coin there, uh, man, the, the people who have shown up, first of all, the students have been incredible. They've been turned out in droves. Uh, and the people that have been braving it and, and coming out to these games, man, it was loud. Like, it, it made a serious impact. Uh, they were engaged. They were rowdy. And, and so the atmosphere has still been awesome. And, and so I think the fan base deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, but, you know, to go back to these home games, like the margin for error with this Arkansas team at home now is zero, none. No slip-ups. Like you had to have that A&M win, and you got it. Um, you know, the remaining home slate here, as I look at it, uh, Mississippi State, Florida, Georgia, uh, and then the regular season finale against Kentucky. In my opinion, those are all non-negotiables for Arkansas. You got to have them. You know, they're gonna have to put some work in on the road too down the stretch. We'll look at the big picture in a minute. Um, but it does start with South Carolina. You know, the Gamecocks are bad. <laughs> I mean, there's there's no sugarcoating it. I mean, they're just having a rough season. Um, I don't mean to be disparaging there, but you know, I mean they're the they're the worst power conference team Arkansas has played outside of of Louisville. They've got, but you know, it's a first year head coach. They're just in a rebuild. You know, Lamont Paris, I think, is a good coach. He's just building the program. You know, they're eight and fourteen. Uh, six straight losses. They're six and five at home. They're zero and five at home in, in SEC play. You look at some of the games that they've lost this year. You know, to, to Colorado State, Dayton, Furman, George Washington, UAB, East Carolina. Like SEC teams shouldn't really be losing those games. Um, but you know, you look at it from Arkansas' standpoint, and you haven't won a game on the road all season. You know, with losses at LSU and at Vanderbilt, uh, so you can't really take anything for granted, regardless of you know how good you're playing right now, or the fact that you know I think Kim Palm has Arkansas as 14 point favorites on the road 
in this game. And, and, and to add to that, South Carolina is capable of playing good basketball. You know, they beat Clemson, who's 10-2 and, and, and leading the ACC right now. Uh, they beat Kentucky in Rupp. And, and, yeah, Kentucky was going through it at the time. But, I mean, to go on the road and do that is still impressive. They've been competitive in games. Overtime losses to Vanderbilt and, and Georgia. So, you know, they've got a star player in G.G. Jackson, uh, 2023. He was the number one ranked player in the class of 2023. He reclassed up. Um, you know, so he's a young guy, but he's doing a great job for South Carolina so far. So they've got some star power. Um, you know, I think that matchup has Devo written all over it. It's interesting, you know, G.G. Jackson, six foot nine, uh, but he's a big guard. And, you know, I remember before the Alabama game for Arkansas, I was thinking about Brandon Miller, and I was like, man, you know, I feel like Jordan Walsh could be a good matchup for him. Uh, but they, you know, they played two bigs. And so then what are you going to do in terms of your lineup? Um, I thought maybe Anthony Black, because of his length, and then Arkansas comes out and they, they put Devo Davis on him, who's given up like six inches of height, and he did a great job. And, and, and it made a lot of sense in hindsight after watching that. So I wouldn't be surprised if Devo's on Gigi Jackson. We'll see. We got some other guys, you know, uh, you know, a couple shooters. Their backcourt's pretty strong. So, you know, listen, Arkansas should cruise in this one. You know, if if you don't get over the hump on the road here, I, I don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, but look, it's a quad four game, so it's not going to help you. But it's the last potential resume dinger that Arkansas could take. So you can't mess around. You got to take care of business and, and and get the job done and finish one here on the road. If you're the Hogs, but you know, if Arkansas does take care of business. Um, you know, they're on a bad spot. They're sitting at six. They'd be sitting at sixteen and seven overall. Um, back to five hundred in league play, which is that's a good place to be after starting one and five. Uh, with with just a fascinating stretch of games ahead. You know, so where I guess what are the you know the current projections? Where does Arkansas stand? What do they need to do? Uh, you know, I've been getting a lot of those questions, you know, so let's take a look at it. I, I looked up some of the updated, you know, bracketologies. Joe Lenardi, his latest, has the Hogs as a 10 seed uh, playing Creighton again. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I, Trevin Brazil was such an X factor in that game with his ability to pull the, the big Cogbrenner kid out of the paint. Um, man, without that, that, that could be a tough matchup. They've really figured some things out too. You know, they weren't healthy for a while there. I think they lost six in a row, uh, but they've been rolling again. So that would be interesting to see, uh, Jerry Palm at CBS sports. He has Arkansas as an 11 seed in the first four. I'm not really sure about his methodology there. He's got Arkansas playing Kentucky. I do, Can you, can you play a conference foe in, in the first round? I don't know if the first four, you know, that plan thing is different or not. Um, I would just I would be highly surprised to see that, but at any rate, you know, to have Arkansas in in that position, that you know, that means Palm season is very much on the bubble at the moment. Tristan Harkins, who does a great job, um, really respect his work. He has Arkansas as a ten seed playing. Man, if you had to guess, who would you say? If, if you know, <laughs> like the ultimate thorn in Arkansas's side in the NCAA tournament, he has them playing North Carolina. Um, which I think would be an interesting – I actually think Arkansas matches up pretty well against them this year, but the storylines would be unreal <laughs> given some of the past there. Uh, and, you know, the last one I looked up, Dave Amon, bracket guy Dave, who he's literally one of the best in the business year in and year out. Um, you know, he in his last update has Arkansas as an 11 seed in that in that first four play-in in, in Dayton against Penn State. Um, 
you know, so, so they're kind of hovering in, you know, uncomfortable territory there. The bracket matrix, which, which is awesome. I've mentioned it before on the show. It's like a compilation of the most reputable bracketologists. Um, it has Arkansas right now in 83 of the 88 brackets, uh, with an average seed of 9.34. So kind of hovering on that nine ten line right now, um, went to Bart Torvik, their tournament, their tourney odds page, uh, you know, it's got Arkansas, I think is an average of like a 7.7 seed has them with a 90.3% chance of getting in. So, um, you know, they're, they're in right now. They've just been trending down, you know, even once they hit the struggles for a while there, you know, Arkansas is still hanging out in that, you know, five to six range. And, and now you're starting to see more of those double digit seeds. And that's when you start to think about the bubble, right? And it's like, okay, there, there's still work to be done here. And every one of these bracketologists does it a little bit different. You know, some guys project it based on where things stand currently. Some value the metrics uh, pretty significantly. And, and listen, the computers love the hogs. You know, if you look at their team sheet right now, which is, it's basically a snapshot of like your, your resume, your overall profile. It's got all the different metrics and factors they consider. Like, I mean, Arkansas is looking pretty good. They're 27th in the net, 19th in KPI. Uh, the strength of record right now is 42. That can obviously go up because there's a lot of tough games coming up here on the horizon. Uh, they're 17th at, at the ESPN BPI. Ken Palm has them at 20. Sagarin ratings have them at 22. So, you know, compared to maybe where they wanted to be at the beginning of the year, Arkansas is not there. But, I mean, given the circumstances and, and you know, the, the obstacles that they face with injuries and the whatnot, uh, you know, they're pretty, I, I think they're in pretty decent shape for the moment when it comes to making the field. Um, I mentioned it, you know, in the lead to the show here. You know, February is a month that Eric Musselman has owned in the past, but it's it's tricky this year. Um, you know, Arkansas is 13-1 the last two years in the month of February. That's crazy. That's why Mus has a rep for, for getting his teams to play their best basketball, get them to peak at the right time. Uh, their only loss in the month of February the last two seasons is a one-point loss at Alabama last year uh, that Mus is still talking about to this day. Like, for whatever reason, man, that one stuck with him. But, you know, you look here, um, you know, Arkansas has got nine games left. One of them's in March, technically. The the finale against against Kentucky is March the 4th, but the rest of them are in February. Um, you know, Arkansas is two losses deeper right now than they have been at this time the last two seasons. They've been 17-5 and five the last two years. They're 15-7 and seven now. You know, I asked Muss about it in the presser earlier today. I was like, hey, you guys – you know, roll in February, you know, like what's the recipe for success there? And you feel like you're kind of turning the corner towards playing that kind of basketball again. And, you know, he kind of went back to that and was like, you know, we've lost, he said three, but it's been four one possession games, three of them on the road and, and one of them in Maui. Um, you know, it's just like one shot here, one stop there, one, you know, one rebound, one less turnover, whatever, uh, you know, and, and, and a couple of those go your way right? It's, it's like Arkansas hasn't been able to catch a break in these close games. Um, but, you know, they're, they're really close to being right kind of in line with where they were, but they're not, you know? So, um, hey, maybe they go 9-0 and the rest of the way, but I, I, <laughs> I do think it's a, a pretty tall ask, you know? So how much work does Arkansas need to do to be, to be stay, safe, you know, in terms of March Madness? it's been pretty fun on our, on our message board. You know, we, there's been a number of these, these threads that are like, you know, is there a magic number for wins? Um, you know, I, I know a lot of the computer projections are, are saying 20 wins 
you know, for Arkansas, is that enough? I think it depends. You know, usually, typically, in a league like the SEC, you feel good about your chances if you get to that 20-win mark. Um, you know, in Arkansas's case this year, that would make them 9-9 nine and nine in league play, which being 500 in the league, it's not like an absolute must, but it's kind of it's generally like an unwritten rule for your typical resume. There can be exceptions, like if you did a lot of work in the non-conference, but usually you want to be at least 500 in your league. Um you know, or unless your league is, is really, really strong. And, and I don't think the SEC qualifies, um, you know, maybe like the Big 12 or you know, people are going to get mad about this, but even like the Big 10 um, right now. So it'll be interesting to see, you know. Last year the league got – they had five – there was like a five-way tie at the end of the regular season with teams who were 9-9 nine and nine in the SEC. Uh, and it was hit or miss, man. You know, like LSU and Alabama both got in the tournament at 9-9. Nine and nine. Uh, but A&M and Florida, oh, man, who was the other one? South Carolina were all left out. So two got in and three were left out at 9-9. Nine and nine. So, you know, in my opinion, it would be more about how you got to those 20 wins or, or, or nine in league play as opposed to just reaching that benchmark. Because I think right now, um, you know, with Arkansas, because, again, you look at all the, the metrics that I just rattled off, all, the, all their rankings and these things that matter and, and that, you know, what people look at. And you kind of look at that and you go, well, well, how the hell are they, you know, a 10 or 11 seed in all these brackets? Well, I think what's getting them right now is the road and, and quad one record looms pretty large. You know, as it stands right now, Arkansas has zero road wins. We talked about it. Arkansas also only has one quad one victory. Um, and listen, the Razorbacks have some nice wins. Don't get me wrong. Like San Diego State. Um, Oklahoma, Missouri, Texas A&M, those are all good wins. But only San Diego State meets that mark right now of being a quad one. So you, you go and you look at the net and you dive into the numbers a little bit. Arkansas is one in five in quad one games. So you know, if you go look at the list, St. Mary's is the only other team in the top 30 of the net that just has one quad one victory. St. Mary's in Arkansas, that's it. I mean, there's opportunity for more four to be exact at the moment right now, but those are all road games where you haven't won yet at Kentucky, at Texas A&M, at Tennessee, and at Alabama. So my, you know, my point is like, yeah, Arkansas could go five and four the rest of the way. They could get 20 wins, get to 500 in conference play, uh, but they could also be going into the postseason with the one and eight record in true road games and a one and nine record in quadrant one games, and, and I'm sorry, but that doesn't scream NCAA tournament to me. So, it, I mean, it would be very, like, bubblicious, right? That They might be in a situation where they have to go to Nashville and do some work in the SEC tournament. You'd like to avoid that if you can. So, and and listen, the cool thing about the net is it fluctuates every day, right? We, we look at it every day. We drive ourselves crazy. Um, so it's possible that, you know, th- there's some games that can move up into that quad one category that could help Arkansas out some. And, and you're not just leaving those four road games as your only chances. Um, you know, Florida and, and Missouri, they're both in the 40s right now in the net. They could, they could, they'd have to be top 30 to move up to quad one. It could happen. Um, Kentucky, I think, is in the mid-30s right now. So if they move into the top 30, um, not only would that road game next week count, uh, but the home game at the end of the season could be a quad one opportunity. Oklahoma is 58. It, it was, they would need to be top 50 since it's a neutral site. Uh, so there's some opportunities there for that to fluctuate a little bit and, and benefit the Razorbacks. 
Um, or, and I'm just spitballing here, Arkansas could get over the hump on the road at South Carolina this weekend and, and then pick off you know one or two of those remaining games to help themselves. It's possible. I mean, you beat Texas A&M once, you can do it again. I think it's weird that Muss has not won at Reed Arena. They're going to be tough at home. Uh, these Kentucky games, I think, are particularly interesting because you know the, the two teams kind of have similar resumes right now. Kentucky only has one quad win also. Uh, and they both need pretty strong months to just really firmly secure their spots, and you get to play them twice. So that's fun. Bama, that's going to be that's going to be really really tough at their place. Arkansas will definitely be highly motivated for that one. Uh, yeah, they showed some vulnerability at, at Oklahoma. They got spanked, but then they they responded and beat Vanderbilt by like literally sixty points the other day. Tennessee on the road. Hey, Kentucky got them on the road, but you know that that's going to be their senior day. They're filthy defensively. Is it possible? Of course it is. Arkansas can beat anybody, but it's a big ask. That's what makes college basketball awesome, though. You know, Arkansas controls their own destiny here, and, and so every game, like you know, like Musa said, and people kind of roll their eyes at this, like, oh, it's their Super Bowl, it's their Super Bowl. Well, that's kind of been the message here because you know their backs are against the wall a little bit, um, and, and you kind of have to play every game like it's your last. So every one of them matters. All right. What I want to do now, I want to get over into uh, some mailbag questions and comments. Make sure we have plenty of time for those. Um, I'm going to start on our Razor's Edge message board and then hop over to the chat as always. See what you guys want to know about. Red1022 says, <laughs> okay, I'll start it off. When will Nick Smith Jr. be back? <laughs> and uh, we got a few, obviously, naturally, a few questions about that. Westhog21 says, you know, by, by what point do I, I think Nick needs to return in order for the team to get into a good rhythm before postseason play? Um. Both great questions. You know, in terms of when Nick will be back, well, if I if, if I knew the answer to that, I'd probably be due for a promotion, right? Um, I asked Eric Musselman that very question today because, um, you know, initially we were told the timeline was, you know, maybe towards the end of January they kind of reassess his situation. So, you know, I, it's February now, so I said, hey, is there any update or, or progress with his status? Nope, no update. And, and so what that tells me is, um, you know, he's he's probably still rehabbing and, and working on his own um, in terms of when he needs to be back. I mean, you know, Nick is, is the kind of talent that um, you take him when you can get him. Right. But, and I 100 percent understand, you know, some people it, it, there's like the opposite ends of the spectrum with how they feel about it in terms of, um, well, you know, he, he practiced all summer. You know, he's, he's playing some games with the team. It'll be a seamless transition versus it'll take time for him to gel and everything like that. I'm probably more on the side of the ladder there um, only because, uh, you know, it has been six weeks uh, since he's played and, and so much of your identity is formed uh, through those early stretches of conference play. We've talked this whole show about how Arkansas has really started to figure things out and define their roles and everything like that. Um, and so, you know, the, there will be some changes. It'll, it'll take a little bit of time to adapt um, you know, for the team, but then also also for Nick, you know, just kind of getting his feet back under him. It's been a while since he's played competitive basketball. He's an ultra talent and completely changes the dynamic of, of what Arkansas is trying to do um, in terms of his ability to knock down shots, uh, you know, draw the attention of, of the other team's best defender. That makes things easier on everybody else. Um, you know, he's an alpha who can create his own shot. So all those things are great, but yeah, there, there would be an adjustment period there. Um, but man, if, you know, if that's you know, I don't know, 
two weekends from now or at the SEC tournament or, or whatever, if you can get them back, you take them whenever you can uh, because it, it just it makes your team better. There's no question in that. Um, you know, and, and we'll see what it looks like. I, I think what kind of gets lost in translation here, because I know people are frustrated about it. There's not that much information that's been going around. Um, obviously, that's by design. But I, what I think gets lost sometimes in this is that we're talking about uh, his health, right? And so the question has never been, does Nick want to play basketball? Does Nick want to be a Razorback? Well, hell, of course he does. He said that himself. He's going at people on Twitter to say that. Uh, the dude is an ultra, ultra competitor. He wants to play. He's got to be fully healthy. He's got to be 100% uh, before he does that. And, and you know, that that's, that's a timeline that you can't really um, – you know, place an exact date on because you don't know. You know, what what is 100% one day, you know, how does that change if he returns to full practice? You know, does it does the thing swell back up on him? Is he super sore the next day? Does he have to back off or does he feel fine? Can he move forward? Uh, it's it's just going to be kind of a step-by-step process here and you just have to hope for the best for him, uh, you know, and for the team that he gets back as, as soon as possible because yeah, obviously he'd help the team a ton. Runway 3886 says, more Mitchell brothers, please. <laughs> uh, can you talk about their impact that they've had on the team in the month of January? Uh, and how do they compare with other bigs' uh, performances in the SEC? Well, uh, you know, Makai, he's kind of been Mr. Consistent for Arkansas, really. I mean, he's a guy who can, I think, get, you, get a near double-double for you every night if he stays out of foul trouble, um, which is, has been an issue for him at times. I love his versatility. Uh, he can play the five. Obviously, he started at center most of the year, but he can also play the four in the right matchups. I mean, he started alongside his brother, uh, you know, in the last game, which is which is cool to watch, right? Um, you know, I think he's a great one-on-one defender and, and rim protector who could improve as a help defender. I think that's an area he could work on um, offensively. He's a great role man, good in pick and roll and dribble handoff. Uh, I think they could dump it into him on the block a little bit more and, and be aggressive with him to score. Because he's got a bag down there. He's got great footwork. He's a good finisher. You know, he's over 60% on the season. Um, I wish he was a little bit more aggressive to score. And, you know, I think sometimes when Arkansas hits these droughts, um, you think about your big playmakers. You know, Ricky, uh, A.B. has been a guy they've looked to to go get a bucket. Devo, obviously, emerging now. Um, listen, it's a little bit old school, but when I was a coach, we would set up a play and dump it into the post, go one-on-one. Uh, and get a high percentage shot and, and knock that thing down. I think he's a guy you could do that with to snap some of those droughts. Um, oh, and then Mikel, yeah, like I, like I was saying earlier, you know, Mikel's emergence is absolutely huge for this team. Uh, you know, when Trevin Brazil went down, I kept asking Muss about another big man stepping up, and he kept telling me, you know, it's, it's Jordan Walsh that's doing that. Jordan Walsh has filled that role. Jordan Walsh has filled that role, which I 100% agree with that. Uh, but but what I was getting at is is just the need – that I perceived at least for another big body uh, to be in the rotation uh, for this very moment in the SEC. You know, Mikel is a top-notch rim protector. He led the A-10 uh, in block shots, and that's a good league. He's physical. He's deceptively athletic. He plays with good verticality. Um, he was brought here to do exactly what he did against Texas A&M, and so now uh, I think he's established himself, and, and we'll get to see if that translates to what's coming up in terms of post presences that Arkansas is going to face, because you look ahead, um, you see Oscar Shibway twice. Everyone remembers the dude coming in, gobbling up rebounds, pushing off, camping in the lane. Uh, Arkansas was able to win in Fayetteville despite that, but it's going to be the same thing again. Arkansas went out and got the Twins for this very reason. 
So we're going to get to see that twice. Colin Castleton, a guy that's been a thorn in the Razorback side for, it feels like a decade now. He's still at Florida. They'll get to see him again. That's why the Twins are here. That's why Mikel is here. Tolu Smith from Mississippi State, another guy. It feels like he's been playing for, for 10 years. He's having a great season. Uh, man, that's why those guys are here. So I'm really anxious to see how they continue to uh, progress over the course of the next month here because they're really, really important uh, to what Arkansas is trying to do, especially on the defensive end and on the backboards. Hog Papa 55 says, who comes back next year? Woo. Who knows, man? I, I know the staff would prefer to have more continuity uh, next year than they do this year. So we may see more of a push for it. Um, and pull up the roster. You know, Nick and AB, I, I think it's a foregone conclusion they're gone. I mean, those guys are going to be lottery picks. Kamani's out of eligibility. Um, but, you know, then you've got Ricky, uh, Trevin, and, and Jordan Walsh, who probably all have a decision to make, right, about stay or go pro. Uh, look, based on Arkansas's track record, it, it wouldn't surprise me if all three of them left. I mean, I'm not saying that will happen or, or that I necessarily agree with that, but, that, you know, that's what we've seen. Um, I think Ricky would be a guy that you'd love to have back. Uh, but, man, he's starting to kind of climb up those draft boards again. He, he stagnated for a bit there, but I'm seeing some that have him late first round, early second. I mean, he's been college in college for three years now. Like, if, if, if that's the feedback he's getting, he should go. Brazil, you could debate all day whether or not he should come back. I haven't seen him pop up on as many draft boards, so maybe. Uh, you know, and then Walsh, I I think he could probably use another year of, of development and work, but they can do that in the G League too. And he's such an immense talent. He's got all the, you know, the intangibles, the measurables. Um, there's going to be some guaranteed money there for him too. So we'll see um, on those three guys. You know, with that being said, I think you do whatever it takes to try to get at least one of those guys to stick around. And then, man, you call it a grand slam if you can get anything above that. You know, Jalen Graham, uh, the Twins, these are guys who both have an extra year of eligibility that COVID year. They're also older guys. You know, Graham has played four years of college basketball now. That The Twins just turned 23 years old the other day. So I don't, I don't think any of the three really project as like draft prospects at this stage, but it could be, you know, kind of that J.D. Note type of situation where that, you know, that clock for making money, playing basketball professionally is ticking and, and they might want to start that next chapter again. I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm just speculating and giving my thoughts here. You do have Bay Fall coming in, you know, in the post. He's this guy's who's a McDonald's All-American. Like, he's going to play. Uh, and if you get Brazil to come back with him, man, that would be a lot of fun to watch, those two guys. But, um, you know, I'm sure they would love to keep at least one experienced guy from that mix in the front court, and, and then maybe you address it in the portal from there. But we'll see. The other freshmen, you know, I, I hope those guys stay. I really do. I like all three of them a lot. Um, history suggests that, you know, at least one of them will probably dip as well. I mean, it's just what we I'm just going on past patterns, you know. I don't know. West Fork Pork asked for my best guess on the first 2024 commitment. Um, I'm not sure they're super, super close on anything just yet. Um you know, obviously the spring and, and summer brings those official visits and more decisions, but, you know, a few names maybe at the top of my radar, um, Dink Pate would be one at the very top, uh, Jace Richardson would be another, um, Honor Boateng, local guy, uh, maybe, maybe a, a David Castillo would be a guy to monitor there on the periphery. Um, these are all guys who have, who have 
visited at least once, right? Been to campus. It's been a long relationship. Uh, and so those would be the ones I would watch for right now. Obviously, Arkansas is in the thick of the mix with, with you know, pretty much every other five-star guy out there. I just think there's more work to be done with many of those cases. And, you know, you need to need to get some of those guys on campus where you can really get a good gauge of, of where you're at. Frank Broyles, nice, asks if, uh, if 10 conference wins gets Arkansas in the tournament. Yeah. Yeah, if they get to 10, you know, that'd be 6-3 and three down the stretch here. 21-9 um, and nine overall, but 100%. That would get them in. Razorback R says uh, that he has a, a love-hate relationship with Devo, and he wants to know why. <laughs> Devo's an enigma, man, and I, I think many feel the same way. You know, you love the the charisma, what he's done for the program, the leadership, the the flair, the clutch gene, the three-point shooting now, uh, the lockdown defense. You hate the unnecessary turnovers that become dunks on the other end, but, you know, it's just a day in the life uh, with Devo, who the dude has been so much fun to cover, and quite honestly right now he's playing at an all-SEC level. He's been terrific. This is the best basketball he's played um, in his career and I got to give him a lot of credit, you know, because he was he was struggling. Right? We've talked about some of the, you know, there was a point there where he was shooting 13% from three. He was kind of bit by the turnover bug, um, you know, would have some some games where he just really, you know, wasn't making a, a ton of positive impact, but he has really turned it around. He's living in the gym, putting in work, and I think he understood, and maybe it took him a little bit to figure that out, you know, last year he was looked at as a leader, but but you had some other guys who really emerged there. This year, he really had to take, you know, the bull by the horns there uh, and just take the reins of this basketball team, and he's done that. Um, and I think it directly coincides with, you know, Arkansas playing better ball now. All right, a couple more real quick, and, and then we'll hop over to the chat. Um, Josh Woolley asks about sending a big man as a trapper at half court. Um, Arkansas has been doing this lately. Like, like he mentions here, it worked against Baylor, maybe not so much against Texas A&M. How often should we do it? Um, I really like that Arkansas is doing that against Baylor. Like if you identify a matchup where there's a guy that you perceive uh, to not be a threat or someone that you, you can live with taking shots. Um, and then you have somebody who you don't want touching the ball. Um, yeah, go trap him, go trap the ball out of his hands. I, I thought Arkansas did a good, really good job with that in the first half. Um, at Baylor, they had Jalen Graham on, on the kid number 33 from Baylor and they didn't care if they left that guy open. So they were sending Graham to trap right across half court and it was getting the ball out of Flagler's hands or it was getting the ball out of Keontae George's hands, whatever early. Um, and you're fine with that. You know, if, 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 if they've got three stud guards and it's another guy who's beating you, well, shake their hand and, and move on. But you know, if you can eliminate and take one of those guys out of the game, then that's huge for you. Uh, you know, I remember Arkansas started doing that a couple years ago. It was in that comeback win um, against Auburn at home where Sharif Cooper, and the dude was just really, really hard to guard. Uh, and so Arkansas started using Justin Smith as that trapper, that shadow guy, just bringing him off his man. I can't remember who he was playing off of, but they didn't care. They just wanted to get the ball out of Cooper's hands. Uh, and they did that. And it was a, a large reason why they came back and won that game. So I think it's been pretty cool to see him doing that. Um, look like they tried to do it a little bit with Taylor, maybe Radford for Texas A&M. Those guys were able to split that at, at times, and it was it was doing some damage to Arkansas. So if you're going to do it, um, you, the trap has to be effective. You have to get the ball out of the dude's hands or, or at the very least make him pick up his dribble. Um, 
Otherwise, you're kind of running in some tough situations there where they have numbers and, and they're able to get back on the offensive glass. They'll keep doing it. 870 Hog 704 wants to know if I'm going to South Carolina. Unfortunately, I'm not. Um, I'd like to get to another road game in the regular season, but I, I'll probably, I definitely will be at the SEC tournament and uh, in Nashville and wherever they go for March Madness. Dave Dove, one, two, three, four, five, asked um, if I think the offense in the half court has a lot of the you take the shot, no, you take the shot, and, and why so many passes within three feet of the basket. Um, you know, with this team offensively right now, I think you have to understand a few things. You know, one, uh, yeah, I think I think the bigs do kick it back out too often. I know, I know the twins are notorious for that. You know, they'll get a, a pass on a roll or – uh, you know, their defender will be drawn up and help and they'll get a dump off. And it's like, hey, you could probably go hammer that thing right now or they'll kind of kick it back out. Like, no, that's what I was talking about, maybe being a little bit more aggressive. So, yeah, go finish those. Um, I also think the guards are, are maybe so used to having a wall of defenders waiting on them in the lane. Uh, but just the way they've been defended, they might be looking too hard for a drop off at times instead of going up and finishing. It's an adjustment that they'll make. But, you know. Secondly, I, other people have asked about like the stagnant play offensively, and some of that, I think you just have to understand the nature of attacking a zone. Like it's just more deliberate, you know. Uh, what you don't want is just just kind of standing there holding the ball over your head and, and watching around. But um, yeah, you're going to survey the situation a little bit more. You're trying to swing from side to side to get the zone moving. Um, you know, you have a couple cutters, but things are just a little bit more timed and deliberate, and you have to pick your spots there. So. Anytime a team is getting zoned, it's going to look, you know, quote, stagnant compared to, you know, when you're man-to-man and, and you're setting a ton of ball screens and, and different actions off the ball. Uh, in man-to-man, I think Arkansas just doesn't have a lot of pull-up shooters, so the shots don't come as often within the flow of the motion um, so much as they really rely heavily on attacking ball screens, um, getting to the teeth of the defense and either kicking out or, or dropping off. And so, yeah, it does look like a lot of – you know, uh, two-man game or, or one-on-one situations, but I think it's just kind of the style of team that they have right now. Okay. Let's hop over to the comments. Jackie Price says, Woo Pig Suey. Love it. Cody L. James said, Hell yeah, I need some Hawk Hoops Live today. Work's been a pain. Yeah, I wanted to do it yesterday. There's so much stuff going on with the, with the football signing day stuff. We had those press conferences and everything, so gave it an extra day. I really wanted to, I was looking, I had a lot to say after that LSU game last week, but you know, no power and no, I don't have a generator. A lot of people have said that to me, like, I don't know, like it's Fayetteville, Arkansas, man. I didn't think I needed one. You know, I moved five hours South. <laughs> I thought I was past that crazy winter weather, but it's been, it's been tough in Northwest Arkansas here. Zach Hall, my man, my weatherman. It's my guy. Curtis is the best in the game. Love the show, brother. Woo pig. Appreciate you, man. Hope you're good out there. I'm sure you're busy. Cody L. James, hear anything lately on Holland? Nah, I mean, he's 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 still signed at Texas. Um, you know, the, the Longhorn basketball account is, is tweeting about him. You know, he was at a game recently. Uh, you know, I don't think we're going to hear anything about that, to be honest with you. It, it, it'll probably just depend on what they do with that coaching situation. I think if Rodney Terry keeps the job, he stays. I, I think if they hire – um, a coach that he's content playing for, he stays. So, um, hey, could certainly be wrong. But, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think there's any update really to be had there unless he requests out of that nas- uh, national letter of intent, 
and uh, and opens things back up. And and so far that hasn't happened. And we're what two months out, you know, past him, you know, Chris Beard getting arrested and and then fired. So I haven't really heard much there. Cody also says, uh, good to hear Nick is close to 100%. If he comes back, do you have any concerns about – yeah, we kind of hit on that stuff. And, and again, I, I don't know. I guess he told Jimmy Dykes that he was 90% or, or something. So, um, yeah, it's, we'll see. You know, I know it's a, it's a frustrating deal for people because they want to see him out there, but I guarantee you it's more frustrating for Nick because he wants to be out there. Um, not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use, I would, you know, chemistry is probably not the word I would use so much as just kind of getting back into a flow of things to be a natural progression there. We saw it, you know, when he missed a few games and came back early, um, in the season, uh, really it wasn't until right before he went out again, where they were starting to hit their stride. Like I thought it was that Oklahoma game, um, you know, where he was two or three games in at that point where he, he really looked good. Now he's set out longer, uh, you know, at this point. And the, the competition is much greater. So, and things have changed in terms of what Arkansas is doing philosophically. So, you know, maybe it, it'll be a little bit more of a curve for him. But, um, like I said, man, if you get the opportunity to get that dude back, you, you take it and run with it. MP Rich uh, says, Woo Pig Suey, what did you think about the hook and hold on AB? <laughs> um, it's whatever. I, it, it, you know, I'm not too beat up about, you know, a hook and hold call so much as I am like, man, does AB not just get like hit in the face every game? It was so funny because somebody actually asked him about that in the press conference today. And he was like, yeah, you know, I think most of the time it's unintentional, which is, it's probably true, but like he gets hit in the face, but it's like, he's a boxer. Um, the dude just takes a beating. I think Bob Holt said it was, you know, he's kind of like a quarterback, you know, taking hits in the backfield. Um, so I, I would like to see some of those called a, a little bit more, you know, like if we're going to call touch fouls on Jordan Walsh on one end of the floor, um, you know, if, if AB's catching a right hook, maybe we can at least send him to the free throw line, you know, it's nuts. West class says it's just an injury year for all the hogs teams. Yeah, man, it's been tough. Been tough. Um, Jonathan Parker says maybe just me but it seems like most of the bad calls are from the ref furthest from the play um, and not the ref right at the play I don't know you know I haven't really thought about that angle of it um, I'll try to pay attention to that on Saturday it's a little bit easier you know watching on TV on the screen you can stop and kind of go back um, you know in the moment like in Bud Walton and stuff it's a little bit harder to get a gauge for that Jared Poe says NSJ versus Kentucky or, or Mississippi State. I don't I don't know, man. I mean, anybody's guess is, is good. You know, he depending on who you ask, right? And and you know, these people who are putting stuff out there, it's like, you know, he was gonna come back from Missouri and then Ole Miss and then LSU and then Texas AM and you know, now this weekend and then Kentucky or Mississippi State, you know, it's it's eventually someone will be right. But um, you know, I, whenever he's healthy. You know, and like I said, it's going to be a little bit of a, pro- a process. And, and so to me, um, if, you, if you're really concerned about this knee uh, to the point of, you know, sit, you know, having him sit out for six weeks like he has, um, I'd be pretty surprised if that meant that he just practiced like once or twice and then, and then was thrown back to the fire. 
Um, that would, that would seem like it would kind of defeat the purpose to me, but I say that with, uh, you know, with also knowing that I'm not privy to knowing anything that he's been doing. I don't know what his rehabs consisted of his treatment, his individual workouts. Like I have no idea, you know, how far along he is, um, in terms of conditioning and, and strengthening and, and the dynamic activities he's doing. So it's just, it's, it's impossible to say. I would be really happy if, and when he gets back out there, just like everybody else. Tim Eskew says, uh, it's somewhat interesting to me that our size allowed us to block several shots the other night, uh, but our size didn't prevent Texas A&M from getting a ton of offensive rebounds. Yes, rebounding doesn't require size necessarily, but it's still an odd contrasting statistic. Uh, let me tackle this one first. Um, I agree with that. I think some of it is um, if you're blocking a shot, then you're automatically not in position to rebound, right? Like, it, it's really tough if I'm Mikel Mitchell to uh, contest a shot at the rim and then, you know, turn around and get boxed out in time. And so I think that like Coleman, for example, I think some of his rebounds came from that, like a, you know, a miss and, you know, he's got his defender off his feet and he's able to get that second jump and, and get a tip or, or secure that thing back. So I think that's some of it. Um, you know, it's weird. Arkansas has been great, a great defensive rebounding team all year. They've really kept teams off the offensive glass, like at an elite level, like top 25 in the country. Um, they gave up probably too many against LSU. They gave up a lot against Baylor and a lot against Texas A&M. Now, both of those last two teams are really good offensive rebounding teams, but certainly defensive rebounding is something they got to work on because, man, I mean, it's – like I said, you know, Oscar Shibwe, you got to see that dude twice. He'll get 15 offensive rebounds by himself. <laughs> so uh, it's definitely an area that, that they're going to need to work on here. Landon Montgomery says, uh, uh-oh, lost you. Where'd you go, Landon? There you are. We have a real chance to win seven straight. Need to get past Kentucky on the road. Yeah. I mean, again, it's going to be tough sledding. You know, it's it's hard for me right now to look at it. You know, when they haven't won a road game and say, "Oh yeah, they're going to go beat this team and that team on the road." And you know, I I think getting over the hump against South Carolina will help. But yeah, that game at Rupp is huge. Like they can absolutely go to Rupp and beat Kentucky. They can absolutely go to College Station uh, and beat Texas A and M. They're more than capable of doing that. Um, will they? Yeah, we'll see. Lennon also says, what chances do you see uh, must potentially being on the move in the offseason? I don't like that Texas uh, has still not found their coach. I, you know, I'm, they're going to come calling. I mean, it, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that happens. Um, boy, I'd just be really shocked if, if <laughs> you know, if Arkansas didn't make it very much worth Eric's, you know, while to stay. I think he understands what he's got here. Uh, think about the last couple games here. We talked about it earlier. Like they've been snowed in. Um, you've had these huge crowds that have made an impact on the game. He's gone out of his way to to recognize that. Talk about the best student section um, in America. Praise the crowd for what they've done. Like he realizes he's got a really good thing here. Um, you know, do I think he's going to stay at Arkansas for you know twenty five years and and retire? I don't, I don't know if I go that far, but I, I don't know that. Um, that he's really compelled to leave right now unless somebody just gives him a crazy offer that he can't refuse. Uh, let's see. Some more chat about that. 
we talked about the the freshman a little bit transfer come back who knows i hope they all come back but um Gil McCarty says Curtis do you have any eligibility the hogs may need you now, you're one guy that saw me back in the day playing a little bit you know i can't play in the sec man i will tell you this though um our media group, my guys that I work with, colleagues, uh, you know, it was, it, up until the last couple of weeks, it was an abnormally warm January. Um, we got out and mixed it up, man. We had like a media four on four, maybe it was even five on five. We had quite a few guys out there uh, playing ball, and it was a lot of fun. We need a lot of work because <laughs> we were gassed, man, but it was a blast. Chris Corley says, what specifically qualifies for the one-and-done rule? Playing in a certain number of games, just enrolled for a year, and has he fulfilled his one-and-done if he plays no more? Nick, that is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's he's good to go um, if, if, if he wanted to go to the draft. Like, it, you know, if you, you can commit to a college and not play at all, you know, if you're a year removed, you can go. So, you know, from that standpoint, he can uh, can do whatever he needs to do there. Okay, I think I got through most of them here. Fair enough, we've gone for an hour. I think that's probably about right. Good show, like I said, and I, I apologize for not being on last week, but it was good to get back on here and, and chat with everybody again. Like I always say, uh, you guys drive the show, That the interaction, the questions, uh, that's my favorite part of it, you know, so uh, continue to do that. Appreciate you guys listening and, and tuning in as always. Arkansas and South Carolina, that is on Saturday. It's in Columbia, South Carolina. It's at 2.30 Central Time. Um, SEC Network, I think. Don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. But then Tuesday, you know, at Rupp Arena, that's going to be a big one. Can the Hawks pick off a couple road wins? They need to. Uh, and, and we'll hop back on here on Wednesday for a show and see where they're at after all that. But this has been Curtis Wilkerson with Hogsports.com. Again, appreciate you guys, and we will catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.